My name is Alexa, your sex toy guide to the stars, and this is The Plug. As always, before I start off today, please remember to like and follow my podcast on iTunes, subscribe to me, and follow me on Instagram at theplug underscore podcast. Um, I post most of my updates there, just kind of pictures, little hints of my next episode, and you get to see cute pictures of my face, which you don't see because this is an audio podcast. So keeping that in mind, I'm going to be doing a bit of a shorter episode today. At least that's kind of the goal. Um, I think I've tried to record this like four times, but every time I listen to it, I just don't like uh, the order that I've done things in. But basically, I'm going to be doing a short episode just kind of on terms that I use in my episodes, terms that I use in my store, sex toy terms, um, like anatomy terms, just kind of little things that'll be important for you to know if you're going into a store and picking out a toy and aren't quite sure where something goes, or if you're just listening to my podcast and you're not exactly sure what the hell I'm talking about when I talk about different toys. So I'm going to be talking about vaginal anatomy and toys associated, penis anatomy, toys associated, um, different types of anal toys, uh, some BDSM terms, and just some health stuff. Um, I will be probably going into all of those in a little bit more detail in later episodes, but I feel like it'll be helpful to kind of have almost like a little mini audio dictionary uh, to refer to whenever I talk about different sex things. So the first thing we're going to be starting out with is going to be vaginal anatomy. Uh, People often refer to it as the vagina, but it is actually the vulva. The vagina is just the canal that connects the uh, uterus to the outside world. It's where the baby comes out of. It's where the penis goes into. It's where the dildo goes into. It's where you're inserting things if you are using, if you're having like internal sex is basically what that means. Um, The pee comes out of a different hole. That is the the urethra that's actually in between the vagina and uh, the clitoris, which is something that I will talk about like right now. Basically, the way that the vagina, ugh, the vulva is shaved, look at me having bad habits. Um, so in the vulva, you have your clitoris at the very top. Generally, people only talk about the little nub, but it's actually more shaped like a wishbone that goes all the way around. Um, and all of it is uh, very sensitive. It can all be stimulated, but people generally just know the little nub at the top. Um, underneath that, you do have your urethra, which is where the pee comes out of. Often, um, or rather not often, um, people can use it for penetration, not with a, with a penis or anything of that size, but it's called urethral sounding and it is used both on the penis and the vagina. Um, I wouldn't recommend it. It's not quite a starting, uh, a starting sexual activity, but it's definitely interesting and some people do do it. Um, then yeah, underneath that you do have the vagina, the actual part that gets penetrated, um, if you're being safe. And then in terms of on the outside, people often refer to them as the lips of the vulva and they're actually called the labia majora and the labia minora. And those are just kind of the flaps of skin that are on the outside that come in all different shapes and sizes. So keeping that in mind, um, whenever I talk about then the G spot or the A spot, which are two erogenous zones in the vulva, um, the G spot is in the vagina as is the A spot. The G spot is actually quite shallow. Um, It's only about an inch inward. It is a real thing. Um, It's very sensitive. It's like a little bundle of nerves. And generally as someone becomes more aroused and stimulated, you'll be able to feel it easier and it's facing inward. Whereas the A spot is a lot further up. It's about three inches deep, which is the regular depth of the the vagina. 
and um, it's on the outside. It's facing uh, the anus. So it's possible to hit it both with anal penetration and with vaginal penetration. But you do have to be very careful with it because it is very sensitive. Um, I personally, that is something that I'm kind of honing and trying to work on and discover. So I won't talk about it too much because I don't have a lot of personal experience. But something interesting to kind of think about when thinking of your own erogenous zones. So knowing that, whenever I talk about an internal vibe or an external vibe or an internal toy or an external toy, I am talking about toys that get inserted vaginally or toys that are generally used to stimulate the clitoris, um, respectively. So if you have a clitoral toy or an external toy, which is what I usually say, um, they're very small. They're usually about the size of an egg. Usually or they're bullet size, just things that are small, compact, and good to use just externally. And then an internal toy is usually like a little vibrator that gets inserted. It's penis shaped, it's whatever shaped, but it's long enough that it is inserted internally to be pleasurable. Something to keep in mind is internal toys can also be used as an external toy. Um, they're vibrating, it's good to like reach around. If you're bigger, it's easier to use an external toy or an internal toy externally for easier reach around and also for partner play. Um, but I wouldn't recommend really using an external toy for internal use. You won't get a lot out of it. It's pretty small. Um, the only thing that really like that I can think of that's similar to that is a Benoit ball or a Kegel ball, which have recently become super popular because of the second Fifty Shades of Grey movie. They're basically small little balls. They can be stainless steel. They can be silicone. They can be weighted. They can vibrate. They cannot vibrate. They can be whatever they want to be. But their main purpose is for strengthening the pelvic floor and doing various pelvic floor exercises. They are not generally used um, for 100% stimulation, it's more of an exercise than anything, though I do know that some people will use it for stimulation. Basically, the purpose of them is um, it's easier to exercise your pelvic floor muscles if you have something to grasp onto. And it's especially helpful for women that have just given birth or have multiple children or are going through menopause. But it is helpful for anyone who wants to strengthen their pelvic floor muscles. Then, from that, um, I'm going to go more into toys, uh, the difference between a dildo, a vibrator, and a dual stim or a rabbit vibrator. Basically, so a dildo is just a stationary internal toy. Um, usually they're penis shaped. Sometimes they have the suction cups on the bottom. Basically, as long as it's stationary, as long as it doesn't vibrate, it is a dildo. But if it vibrates, it is a vibrator. So even if it is a penis shaped toy, but it vibrates, it is a vibrator. It's not a vibrating dildo, it's just a vibrator. So if I'm ever talking about a vibrator or a vibe, that's what I mean, just something that vibrates. And if I'm ever talking about something stationary, I will say so. Um, then the other type of toy um, generally used on the vulva and the vagina is a dual stim or a rabbit vibrator. Basically what those look like, it's like an internal toy, but it has a little external branch on them. They're called rabbit vibrators because way back in the day, the original ones, they had two little rabbit ear shaped prongs on them that didn't, they weren't stiff. They were very loose. And when they vibrated, they would like tickle the clitoris. It was very intense. Um, a lot of dual stims now, they don't have that, those rabbit ears, but everyone just kind of calls them rabbit vibrators. So I will often call them rabbit vibrators before I call them dual stim which is a very bad habit of mine. Um, but yes, a dual stim or a rabbit vibrator is an internal toy that has an external arm. 
Those are mostly the important toys when talking about the vagina and vulva stimulation. So then I'll move on to kind of penis anatomy and important things to know. Uh, the penis is a little, like, not a little easier to talk about. It's a lot easier to talk about. There's really only three main components. You're going to have the shaft of the penis. You're going to have the testicles. And then um, for more like cis male pleasure, you're going to have the prostate, which is often referred to as the male G-spot. So um, pretty straightforward. Testicles, be careful. Shaft, pretty straightforward. The main thing is the prostate, which a lot of people are a little nervous to try out. The prostate is a anal plug, and I will talk more about different types of anal toys, but instead of being like a straight arrow, it has a little bit of a curve to it, a lot like G-Spot internal toys. They have that little curve so that they can press right up against the wall, but the prostate is about walnut-shaped, and I would say about an inch or two deep in the anal cavity. So that's what's the deal with that. Um, some other words that I will use for penis-centered toys are a stroker or a masturbator. A stroker slash masturbator slash fleshlight is basically a textured sleeve that um, is used on the penis to kind of enhance masturbation sessions. A lot of people think that the general term for those is a fleshlight. Fleshlight is just the most popular brand that makes toys like that. It's actually just a brand. A fleshlight is a fleshlight and it is a stroker. It's a stroker and a, like, it's called a fleshlight, but it is a stroker. So, but Tenga makes great strokers. Like, it's just any toy that's used for that is a stroker slash masturbator. The other type of toy is a penis pump. Less of a toy, more of an enhancement, a lot like the Kegel balls in the vagina. Um, the penis pump, I do want people to keep in mind, does not last forever. Um, it's basically just a large pump that either uses water or air. Um, it's inserted or <laughs> not inserted. Um, it's put over the penis. It seals using either air or water. And then you press the little pump. It pushes the air or the water out. And then it ends up creating a vacuum seal. That's kind of really the only deal with penis pumps. So if I'm talking about those, they will extend the penis for a short amount of time, but it is not a forever solution. <laughs> Just to know. So going back to anal plugs, um, prostate plugs, I'm going to be talking about the various different kinds of, um, of anal toys. So for really my rule of thumb for anal toys is um, unless it's anal beads, which are constantly moving, it should always have a flared base on it so that it does not get sucked up into the anus. It has to have a flared base. In my perfect world, they would be as wide as they were long, but you won't find a lot of toys like that. But if you can find something close, that is ideal. An anal plug is basically what it sounds like. It's just a plug with a flared base. Um, it can be worn all day. It can be worn during intercourse. It can be worn during masturbation um, and it can vibrate as well. That would be a vibrating anal plug, but they're basically just inserted and it's, just, it's kind of to give a feeling of fullness. Whereas a prostate anal plug is specifically going to rub up against the prostate. That's why it has that curve, which I talked about before. Um, then the other thing are anal beads and basically what they look like is it's um there's a little ring to hold it at the bottom and they'll have like three to six or even eight little beads they can be silicone like coated in silicone sometimes they're just little balls with a string in between which I wouldn't recommend because they get really dirty um and yeah basically you just move them in and out to stimulate the outer rings of the sphincter kind of like if you're being rimmed which is getting like your butt eaten out basically um and that's their main purpose those are not meant to be let 
go of. They have to be held on to constantly, and the way to get pleasure out of them is to move them in and out. The last kind of anal toy that I will talk about is a gaper. You won't see a lot of these. I wouldn't recommend them. They're more for practicing and very experienced people. Um, when I was talking about the anal beads, how you have to kind of move them slowly in and out, if you pull them out really quickly, the anus will prolapse just because it the friction will pull it all out. What an anal gaper does is it's someone who is training to open their anal muscles as wide as possible without prolapsing, which is very dangerous and I would not recommend it for the starting person. Um, but often, sometimes they're just a very wide plug. Sometimes they're hollow to have like people pee in them or whatever you want inserted but that is the main thing that goes along with those um finally there are anal douches and those are basically they're like little water pumps that kind of insert water into the anus to clean them out before anal sex those are kind of the main like anal toys <laughs> to talk about so if i'm ever talking about any of those things that's what i am describing Next, um, I am going to be talking about some little different BDSM things, just kind of terms to keep in mind. I will be doing a much more extensive episode on BDSM stuff. I plan to bring in quite a few people to talk about these different facets of BDSM, but I'm just going to give a couple quick little terms to keep in mind. Um, in terms of hardware, I will talk about floggers versus whips versus cattails versus paddles versus like riding crops versus like switches, all that stuff. Um, floggers and whips are very similar. Usually they're used in the same context. Whip is kind of overarching. There's like bull whips as well as people will refer to floggers as whips. A flogger is basically you have your handle. Sometimes it's wooden, sometimes it's wrapped fabric, and then it has multiple long tendrils coming off the end, like 10 or 20 of them. Uh, then those are used for like impact play. You can tie little knots at the end to get more of a catch on them, but it just has to have multiple tendrils at the end. Then opposed to that, you'll have something like a bull whip or a cattail or a dragon tongue, which is more one long piece. Bull whips, of course, being like 20 feet long and cattails more being like a foot and a half, maybe two of soft fabric, but it's just one long piece. And it tapers um, with cattails and dragon tongues. They taper at the end in one piece. I'll probably post a picture on Instagram because they're hard to describe, but they're also used. You have to like click the very end when you're whipping it around and it kind of like hits the skin in a very stingy way. And then in terms of like more stingy toys, you'll have things like switches, which are usually made of a very like pliable wood like birch and they're used to leave like really harsh red marks on the skin. Um, and the same is kind of with riding crops. And those are like you have your little handle, your long stick, and at the very end is a very soft folded piece of fabric, generally leather, and those are used for impact play. So that's what I'm talking about if I'm talking about those. Um, then if I'm ever talking about wax play, I am not talking about just using any old candle that you got at like Bath and Body Works. I am talking about very careful wax play. That means you have a candle made of paraffin, beeswax, or soy. They have really low burning rates. They will not singe the skin, but you still get to peel them off in that awesome like sensory play. I highly recommend starting out with soy candles because they melt around 54 degrees Celsius. Way safer and then as you move forward like beeswax candles melted about 63 pretty hot on the skin but not enough to like leave really harsh burns but that's what I mean when I talk about wax play and it's just the act of like dripping it onto the skin of your lover 
Then um, I do have things like Electro Stim in the store, which I will talk about. Electro Stim is basically, you can get them in like little stick-on pads. You can get wands with like metal rings on the very top and they leave, instead of vibrating to stimulate the skin, they use an electrical current. It's not my cup of tea, but it does leave a really interesting kind of like pins and needles-y sensation long afterwards. But you do have to use specific instruments for it. We also have like Electro Wand with different heads that you can put on the end and they like they use a conductive material at the very top but when I do talk about electro stim it really is electric stimulation it's using electricity to like tickle the skin is basically what that means um then moving forward if I am ever talking about a harness or a strap-on or a strap-on harness I am talking about a strap-on harness and basically what that looks like it is generally used in relationships where um, the giver does not have a penis um, or perhaps they're older and I will talk about hollow dildos to use the strap-on and you use it on your partner and the way that they sit is generally there's there's many different styles but the general style is they sit on the hips and then wrap around the legs almost like um, like the two parts wrap around the legs almost like assless chaps and then in the very front you have a soft pad with two little bits that click around a ring, a stretchy ring, sometimes in a circle, sometimes in a D, a D shape, which you would feed the dildo through. Then that's right tight up against the pelvis because of the straps around your hips and your legs. And then you're able to penetrate your partner and it's nice and stable. Um, with that, so you generally use a flat bottom dildo. However, there are hollow strap-ons out there. They are generally used for older people with penises who really struggle to get that same hardness when they get an erection. They will not feel anything from it just because, um, just because they do have basically another penis around their penis, but it is, it makes it a lot easier to give to their partner. And in that case, there won't be a pad on the front of the strap on. It will just be empty so that they're able to put their penis through comfortably. So those are, that's the deal. I also just realized going off of that, I, uh, with the hollow dildo, there are also penis extenders. They are very different from hollow dildos. A penis extender or like a, um, a sleeve is generally, as it sounds, a stretchy sleeve with about an inch or two of silicone at the very top. It will dull the sensations in the penis a little bit, but it does extend the penis if the partner is wanting that. Um, then finally, there's a couple more terms that I will use in terms of health and healthy products. And I do plan on doing an episode on that in the future. Um, I am at work, so someone just came in. So I'll be right back. Okay, and we are back. Sorry about that, you guys. Um, I am almost done, I promise. So I'm just gonna be talking about like, so I will use a couple different terms when I talk about lube, and I will use a couple different terms when I talk about toy materials. So first I'm gonna talk about the different kinds of lubes. There are oil-based lubes, silicone-based lubes, um, hybrid lubes, and water-based lubes. And they all do different things. They're all compatible with different things, and it's really important to know the difference. I am planning to do a whole episode on lubes, but that will come. Um, so in order of kind of longevity, we're gonna start with oil-based lubes. I really do not recommend these, um, especially recently as everyone is on this trend of coconut oil, 
Coconut oil and all oils clog the pores. In the vagina, in the body, in everywhere, they, they clog the pores and it's just not healthy for the flora in the vagina for that to happen. Um, it also is not compatible with condoms. So if that is something that you're worrying about, you cannot use under any circumstances an oil-based lube with condoms. Uh, then next, in terms of longevity, you do have silicone-based lubes. These are compatible with condoms. They don't have latex in them. They last a really, really long time. They do not wash out of sheets. It is very, very slippery, um, but it is not compatible with silicone toys. I generally recommend silicone lube for someone who is doing anal or anything like that. I don't use it for regular, like just like, like penis and vagina sexual intercourse. It just, it you don't need that kind of longevity. And especially when it messes up toys, you don't want to worry about that. Um, you can only use silicone lube with stainless steel toys, glass toys, wooden toys, etc. Then there are hybrid lubes and these are compatible with toys. They are water-based and they generally have like four to six percent silicone in them. They have more longevity than a water-based does, but they aren't going to break your silicone toys. And these are a really great in-between for people who come in who are kind of complaining about water-based toys getting sticky. So if that's something that you feel, I highly recommend asking your local sex toy person if they have hybrid lubes. Then finally, there are water-based lubes, and as they sound, they are water-based. Yes, they do get sticky. They don't last a very long time. They don't have any preservatives in them, but they are way better for the body. They are way easier to rinse out, and they're more of kind of a, a helping hand in intercourse instead of being the thing that it's dependent on. It doesn't need to be so thick, and my personal favorite brand is Liquid. It only has four ingredients. It has no preservatives. It's so easy on the skin, and it's hypoallergenic, which is really important because the worst way to find out if you have an allergy is during sexy times. Then finally, um, I will use the term medical grade silicone very often. And this is a type of really dense silicone that you'll find in toys. Um, you have to, a lot of packages will say that they are made of silicone, but there's some very distinctive qualities to actual medical grade silicone. It's generally matte. It has a bit of drag on it. It's very thick and it's usually in a lot of nicer toys. Fun Factory especially has a very grabby silicone, but it's very dense. So it doesn't break down after a long time. Um, Toys that are not medical grade silicone, um, it's usually spelt like without an E, it's called silicon, um, but it'll be disguised as like jelly, um, gel toys, anything like that, elastomer, silicone blends, stuff like that. They're made of a really porous silicone and the fear with that is that they end up um, they're incredibly porous, so they can grow mold, they'll harbor bacteria, they will break down after a long time, and something that's going to break down you don't want in your body. You don't want it to harbor bacteria. The thing that's going into your body should not be able to grow mold. So I really highly recommend staying away from those, and those are really characterized by the clear, kind of transparent quality. They will leave a residue on the hands. They will be oily, and they'll have a smell kind of like a pool toy. So when I say medical grade silicone, versus silicone that is what I mean and because the sex toy industry is unregulated they are allowed to say that those awful jelly porous toys 
are made of silicone. So that's something to avoid. Um, another term that you'll see often is cyber skin, um, like Fanta flesh, Neo skin, faux flesh type of thing. Again, it's an incredibly porous silicone. The only safe type of um, cyber skin, I say that in quotations, is by Fleshlight. I'm not 100% sure why they are as body safe as they are, but I do know that they do not break down over time. So keeping that in mind, you want to stay away from the poorest toys, the clear ones, the cheap ones. You can usually tell by the price and you're looking for those nice matte dense toys that aren't going to break down. If you are buying one of those cheaper toys that will break down, I do recommend putting a condom over it it will like so it won't break down inside of you um and then the other types of toy materials are pretty straightforward glass is glass stainless steel is stainless steel wood is wood um granite is granite um and there's tons of those are really nice dense materials and you won't find a lot of vibrators that are made of glass but if you are just buying a dildo i highly highly recommend going glass because you never have to worry about it breaking down inside of you so those are really the main terms that I'm going to use on the podcast. I hope that covered a lot of the things that maybe like when I would say an internal vibe, I hope that kind of explains what an internal vibe is, what Kegel balls are, what a stroker is, what all of that business is. Um, I will be doing future episodes more in depth on these topics, but I just kind of wanted to give a little guide, a little quick, although this really wasn't very quick. This ended up being the length of a full episode, but um. I feel like I covered a lot in like 25 minutes, so I hope this kind of gave enough, um, gave a little bit of quick information for anyone who is going into a sex store and is seeing all these terms and is like, oh my god, I don't know what's going on, or if they're just listening to this podcast and thinking, oh my god, I don't know what's going on. So again, you guys, thank you so much for listening. My name is Alexa, your sex toy guide to the stars. This is The Plug. Please remember to follow me on Instagram at the plug underscore podcast. Um, It's the same logo as I have on here. Give me a rate and subscribe to me on iTunes. And if you don't have iTunes, uh, give me a little heart on SoundCloud. Thanks so much, you guys. I'll talk to you next Sunday.